Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, the coconutiest trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is November 3rd, 2022. From Jakarta, I'm Andrew Nazri. And from Manila, I'm Sam Beltran. Hello, Boya. November. Welcome I know. November, no shave, November. Do tell me more about that. That's the first time I've heard of it. I think it's like a health movement thing where guys don't shave their beards. Oh, it's called Movember. Oh, really? Okay. Does it involve getting the razor away from other parts of the body too? Oh my god! So I don't know if the curtains need to match the drapes in that case, or (laughs) you know, the lack of them (laughs) in that aspect. I don't know. Like I've always thought of it as like a beard thing, Mm. and it's supposed to help raise awareness for cancer. At any rate, Sam, which do you prefer? (laughs) So let's get one thing straight. We're talking about the one. That's not hidden by underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I guess no, no. I want to. I want to hear both your opinion. Oh my on god! Both. Okay, so I always appreciate a man who knows how to keep it trim. You know, up there down there. Both, right? Oh like, really? Um, yeah, like I, I, I don't think I, I ever told you this, but like I like a guy with like two day or three day stubble on. I think that is so. Oh, that's so hot. That's really like just the hottest. Sam, you're not selling the whole Movember or No Shave November thing here. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) No, but like, come on, you're not technically shaving if you're if you're keeping some some hair on right but you know like i've seen men with full beards and they do get to like really maintain the whole thing and just not keep it growing like a jungle on their face and like i really really appreciate that like captain america what's his name he does it really well no the porn stash no ew that was fugly not the porn stash he had a porn stash yeah he can keep a really good stubble Um, oh yeah he can Right. Anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you for establishing that. And we've also established that you like bushy pube. Anyway, let's move <laughs> on. Let's move on to our top stories of the week That's before you can at that point. From a man painting artwork with his pee-pee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out. Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. Okay, on to our first city in Bangkok where, uh, relating to the horrible, horrible Itaewon tragedy that happened over Halloween, one Thai national was apparently killed during what they call the Halloween crush that happened, and that was confirmed by the Royal Thai Embassy in Seoul. No further details were given about the victim, who was among the more than 150 people who were trampled to death Saturday night by a surge of people in central Seoul. It's really such a horrible, horrible um, situation. So the embassy said in a statement, it was reported by the South Korean police with great regret that one Thai person had died as a result of the incident. The embassy is in the process of coordinating with the South Korean authorities for details and informed the relatives of the deceased and to continue to assist in the management of the deceased. It's really one of the worst tragedies to have come out out of South Korea. And that's, you know, just such a really horrible and grim thing to happen. And on Halloween night, no less, right? Yeah. I mean, this book ended what was a very tragic, I guess, month for Asia in terms of mass deaths, as you recall. Yeah. First day of October, we had the stadium disaster in which 
some 135 people were killed at least, you know. And I think not long after Itaewon, a bridge collapsed in India as well, killing yes. hundreds. So yeah, our, our hearts go out to all of the victims and the families they left behind. Yeah, it's really horrible, you know. Really hope that, you know, they really get the help and the peace that they need. Such horrible, horrible news for Asia. Still on the topic of Halloween, we go over to Kuala Lumpur, where authorities raided a Halloween event, which featured drag performers. And that has caused uproar among human rights activists and netizens and the public. Speaking to us about this really horrible story is Coconuts KL's Amina Farid. Hi, Amina. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Andra. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a truly terrible, unfortunate event um, happened over the weekend on Saturday. A major Halloween celebration at Rex KL in Kuala Lumpur was uh, raided by cops. Uh, many say this was a targeted raid because mm. organizers, they got all the approvals, they had all the necessary documents to hold this event. The event's name is called Shakrila. So Shakrila is an event for cross-dresses. You know, it's a, it's a fun event, you know, and mm. this event was made known to authorities and they were fine with it at first. And the next thing you know, they arrest 20 people for allegedly inciting vice and cross-dressing. The report says that around 40 religious officers with police came into the venue with some 1,000 participants were in there. Um, they stopped the music, they got everyone gathered around, and they also separated the Muslims and non-Muslims. And wow. yeah, it was, it was really just shit, man. Um, majority, of course, all of them were Muslims. And that's when they were taken to the Federal Territories Islamic Religious Department where their identities were recorded. And what's even more shocking is that one of the activists, Numan Afifi, who was there at the party, said they received a questionnaire by the religious department where there were questions like, why is your voice like that? And ever had unnatural sex? What? So these were some of the questions that were asked to the people that were arrested. Based on what Numan said they saw on during that raid, they were asked to take a drug test. And it was pretty bad because one of them apparently was slapped by a police officer because they refused to pee standing up. Oh, jeez. And wow. if you know, although majority of social media users, you know, rallied behind um, this group of people, the LGBTQ community, I think the masses, especially Malays or Muslims, are still against this whole idea of like letting this community live freely. So there were also a lot of hate comments on Twitter. Hmm. But well, um, wait, let me get this straight. You said that they divided the partygoers into two groups, right? Muslims and non-Muslims. And it was the Muslims who got prosecuted and persecuted, I suppose. So the non-Muslims just were allowed to go about their merry day, right? Yeah, because this is where I make it known where Malaysia has a dual-track legal system. So Muslims can be prosecuted under the Sharia law. Whereas um, non-Muslims follow the normal constitution. I forget. Oh, God. Anyway, so yeah, and under Sharia law in Malaysia, cross-dressing, if I'm not mistaken, is illegal. Whereas under our federal constitution, it isn't. Hmm. In fact, is it, it, never, it doesn't say anything about cross-dressing being illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So were, were these Muslims who were arrested, were they charged? 
Are they um, still in prison? Do we know? Or in jail? For now, they've all been released. But according to Newman, um, they are supposed to return sometime soon to the religious department. Wow. Okay. So, so uh, I mean, if you're a Muslim in KL, like in my head, you know, KL, very progressive city, right? Compared to, I guess, maybe the rural parts of Malaysia and even Indonesia for that matter. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Muslim in KL, do you have reason to be scared of being gay or being or cross-dressing or whatever it is that doesn't fit the Sharia values? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think throughout the years, we've seen an increase of violence towards this group of people. And it doesn't help that majority of the time, these hate politicians are the one usually spreading this hate towards this community to gain popular support. Mm. You know, so that doesn't help when their hate message reaches the masses. It doesn't help this group of people who are already struggling to live as a normal human being on a daily basis. And it makes it worse when you're a Muslim. Let's take Sajat, for example. She, she's an asylum seeker in Australia. And that was because during her Umrah visit yeah, to Makkah, she wore the female attire. And that caused outrage among some social media users. And eventually the authorities took action against her. They were just on a witch hunt for this woman. Mm. So yeah. yeah, those are some of the examples of hate towards this community, despite you living in KL. Yeah. It's a sucky situation. And it doesn't help because the election is near. So especially during elections, you get all this sort of hate towards other races, with other genders. People are assuming that this is a targeted rape towards them because they want to gain popular support. So they're using yeah. state authorities to gain support. You know, like, hey, see, they're just appealing to people who hate the LGBT community. Not a great time to be not, not a minority at all. Yeah. Um, it's not a great in Malaysia then. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Amina, for coming on board. We hope the situation does improve. Uh, Maybe after the election, maybe you can elect somebody sane. So, yeah, we'll see. I wouldn't count on it, but sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay. Coming out of KL, but we're not going to go too far. We're going to Singapore. I think it was a couple of weeks ago we read out a story about how Singapore the government challenged Richard Branson to a live TV debate on the death penalty. Yep. Well, the billionaire has declined the offer. Surprise, surprise. I guess for good reason, though. I mean, sure. He is, he is obviously not Singaporean, and there are people who are way more qualified to talk about this than he is. So he's yep. declined the offer, and he's urging the government to challenge local activists instead to have a debate about the city-state's controversial death penalty law. Just to quote Branson, he said, I have decided to decline this invitation. Here's why. A television debate, limited in time and scope, always at risk of prioritizing personalities over issues, cannot view the complexity of the death service. It reduces nuanced discourse to sound bites, turns serious debate into spectacle. I can't imagine that is what you're looking for. Wow. Yeah. I guess it's a very reasonable response to the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, not that we were throwing him any brownie points for doing it, but, you know, I really love that he maintained that this was not about him. And I, 
think he also um, drew attention to more local voices speaking against mm -hmm. the death penalty, right? Because I mean, like not too long ago, I remember we had the Transformative Justice Collective on this podcast, just as Singapore meted out uh, one of its recent death penalties on one of its prisoners. So yeah, you know, that really actually does make a lot of sense. Like you wouldn't, you know, listen to these local people who have been speaking about this issue for a very long time, but suddenly the Singapore government wants to challenge a white billionaire <laughs> who's not living in Singapore, right? And suddenly yeah. you know, you're challenging this guy to a debate. So yeah, you know, I guess hats off in a in a in a way. Right. Okay, so from Singapore, we go over to Hong Kong where 1.8 tons of liquid meth disguised as coconut water was intercepted Ooh. by Hong Kong Customs in the city's biggest meth bust ever. That is wild. And I can't believe that of all the things on the Coconuts podcast, we are hearing about <laughs> coconut water. <laughs> about fake coconut water, at least. That's being used to cover up meth. That's, that's just crazy. Does um, liquid meth have like the same kind of coloration and consistency as coconut water i'm asking you the 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 druggie uh -oh. because I'm oh wow up. thanks <laughs> 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 fuck you oh my god like i've never even seen meth up close like me I'm, neither I'm, we're so boring no, i know oh What's my god we're just us? a couple of normies right oh my god oh. i've never seen it like i could only assume what it looks like which probably looks like salt i'm not even sure mm. but yeah you know like these actually and i mean i've only seen the cocoa water that comes out of like coconuts right like when you slice a coconut open or why yeah. the coconut the, the this only looks... good kind of coconut water i hate i know coconut water. oh i know they taste like cardboard oh my god yes and sugar but yeah, like, I mean, judging from these pictures on Coconut Hong Kong, they look nothing like coconut water. But I guess they're not supposed to because they were supposed to be concealed inside the packs there, right? Like the boxes. Mm. So I guess that wasn't really the point. There's a, yeah, like, also, an abundance of coconuts in that photo. By that, I mean I, fake coconuts. I know. It's just like a row of... <laughs> A fake coconut. But yeah, so on Saturday, the Hong Kong Customs announced that they detected a shipment of about 1.8 tons of liquid meth at the Kwai Chung Custom House cargo examination compound on October 23. And the shipment, which arrived from an undisclosed South American country, contained 7,700 boxes of coconut water, of which about 1,800 contained liquid meth. And if you go on over to Coconuts Hong Kong, you can see that they placed pictures side by side of actual coconut water versus what they call the suspected liquid meth and the box that it came with. And dude, that looks like pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently this cost about 1.1 billion Hong Kong dollars or 140 million USD, which is wild and making it the biggest meth bust in Hong Kong's history. And it was bound for New South Wales, Australia. Ugh, guys. Crikey. Crikey. <laughs> that's, that's my contribution to, to that. Ooh, Australia, you say? I know. And customs? Yeah. Australia? You know you know how in Australia they're seriously insane, like anal, about, you know, their biosecurity measures. Right. Like, I remember there was the, the Macus issue, like, not too long ago, right? Like Yeah. 
Because, yeah. you know, they're really scared of foot and mouth disease, among other things, because they, their economy heavily relies on um, agriculture and, you know, cattle, right? Sure. They don't want to be, they don't want their cattle infected with anything. Anyway, after Macca's, after what, what was the most expensive, what was it? Like, it was a breakfast McDonald's meal, wasn't it? Yeah. Out of Australia, reported by Coconut Jakarta, they have reported that there was an Indonesian man who was fined 2,664 Australian dollars, that's 1,704 US dollars, and had his visa revoked for failing to declare that he brought 1.4 kilograms of rendang You know what rendang is? Yes! Listeners who don't, it's like a beef stew kind of dish, slow cooked in coconut milk and spices, right? It was voted like the best dish of all time in the world at one mm. point. Anyway, okay. he bought 1.4 kilograms of rendang, 3.1 kilograms of duck meat, 500 grams of frozen beef, and 900 grams of chicken. And he got caught. Wow. I think, uh, he, was, he was entering Australia via Perth and he got caught there. And he just got booted back into to Indonesia. Oh my god. Damn. Wait, so you can't bring any sort of food onto it, like, while going to Australia? I'm not quite sure exactly what the rules are, but the problem here is that he had ticked no in his pre-arrival right. passenger card when he was asked if he was bringing meat or, or poultry into Australia. I mean, had he not lied uh, and actually declared his rendang and his kilograms of meat maybe the worst thing he would have gotten is he would have had items confiscated maybe you know Ah, okay yeah 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 right or he he might have had to pay for it and i don't know maybe it had to go through like some biosecurity screening um but but like now, now not only did he lose everything he also got fined and he has been faced with a temporary ban of a period of three years, meaning he can't apply for an Australian wow. visa during that time. Yeah, they, they take it really wild. seriously. Yeah, I like I mean, just for kilograms of rendang that you didn't declare, you can't enter <laughs> Australia for three years. That's wild. So yeah, guys, yeah, so just better be honest about whatever rendang or meat. I know, I know, rendang is amazing, but like. Come on, that, that doesn't warrant that kind of behavior, people. I know it doesn't, and it definitely doesn't warrant you know being banned for three years. So you know, guys, just err on the side of caution and don't mm. lie on those customs things. They're smarter than you think. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about rendang, all right? But do you know what babi guling is? I'm inclined to say that's kind of like our lechon, like it's um, it's roasted pig, right? Yep, roast pig, suckling pig. Yes. So uh, okay. out of Coconuts, Bali. So, you know, Bali is about to host the G20 summit. I think middle of November, right? The authorities, the public order agency especially, they've been really busy sprucing up the, the island, getting rid mm. of all that's unsavory, getting rid of all the litter. You know, if only they could just do this year long. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, one of the things that got caught in the, I guess, crackdown of unsavory things is um, street banners and posters and ads for, you know, how they're pretty uncontained in Indonesia. You know, they just kind of spring up everywhere on the sidewalk and just 
right. uh, on storefronts. So over the weekend, there were pictures of officers taking down Bobby Gulling ads, and that got people pretty riled up because Bobby Gulling is beloved in Bali. You know, right? Okay. Um, you go to Bali, you know, if you're not Muslim, like if if you're allowed to eat pork, um, you go to Bali and you have to have Bobby Gulling, right? It's like the traditional dish, uh, one of at right. least. So a lot of people got really riled up and they were saying like, well, G20 is like hurting our culture, blah, 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 and our culinary traditions. But it turned out that there was not really fire under that smoke because it just so happened that the footage showed the officers cleaning up Bobby Gulling ads, but they actually cleaned up a lot of ads as well, which wasn't really documented. So um, right. So they so, weren't actually just targeting Bobby Gooding sellers, right? Because I was no. I was inclined to think, oh my god, like does one of them own a Bobby Gooding stall? Like, I mean, <laughs> did he not want the competition? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, maybe no. But it turns out that you know we have actually seen them taking down like political campaign posters too. So it was pretty indiscriminate at the end, right? Okay. And they're they're just saying that, oh, you can't have this like be an eyesore on the street, you know, you can have these posters just making the mess on the street. So right. please take them down for the next couple of weeks. And then um, after G20, you can put them back up. Cool. Okay. So from Bali, we go on over to Manila. It's November 3rd, right? So um, actually, we had a pretty major holiday come about which was on the first and the second, which we call All Saints Day and All Souls Day. So what that is, is that's it's kind of similar to Mexico's uh, Dia de los Muertos. It's Ooh, basically a Say year. that again. <laughs> oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> For the record. Dia de los Muertos. Even... Yes, Dia de los Muertos. Yes, so Day of the Dead. We have it too in the Philippines. So it's a year. It's it's a yearly tradition where we gather to commemorate our departed loved ones. So it's a Catholic tradition. So although what we usually do during that time is we offer flowers and sometimes you know um, their favorite food when they were alive. But one of the things that we don't actually do is paint on their tombs and turn it into murals. But this wow. is like what one family did. And what they did was they turned the tomb into an entire mural. And this time they turned it into Jollibee. Damn, that's crazy. I know, right? Surprise, surprise. So yeah, so there's this family um, in, the, in the town of Oas in Albay who has taken to celebrating the life of their late patriarch each year by incorporating elements that remind the family of him. So this is actually the first time that they did it, but for this year in particular, they painted it into Jollibee. Um, in the years, I believe they painted it into M&M's, they painted it into um, oh. Lacoste and Ferrari, which I guess was you know the dad's favorite brands when he was alive. And I guess, you know, he had a particular fondness for Jollibee. So as uh, his daughter, Angel Relieve, shared on social media, she said that as children, her father would cook fried chicken for the family every Sunday in their town and called it Jollibee. Because back then, when they were kids, their province had no Jollibee outlets yet. Aww. So this was like a time so when cute. Jollibee was confined. I know! To like Manila and maybe like nearby parts. And then finally, when it had opened in the province's um, capital city of Legazpi in the mid-90s, her father took everybody, like the entire family, out to Jollibee. And then that was the first time that they had tried it. So it was like a core memory for everybody. Aww. So yeah, that's adorable. What would you paint your tomb as? Oh my God, I don't know. 
what would I paint it as? You know, that's a really hard question. I don't know. Like, I've never actually thought about it. Like, I, I don't even know if I want a tomb. Like, I was thinking maybe I'd be one of those hipster people who turn their bodies into, like, trees. <laughs> okay. Or maybe I'll, I'll just get Jollibee as well. <laughs> Seems like it worked out well for the family. Yeah. Right? And that's all the time that we have for this week. We will see you guys same time, same podcast next week. Bye. Día de los muertes. Bye. <laughs> Muertos. Muertos, sorry. <laughs> oh. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy our fresh merch at the Coconut Shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency Grove. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grow. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small, designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andrew Nazri. Our executive producer is Clarissa Cortez, and our editor is Vivian C. 